This is the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward, and it is the Gretzky episode. Number 99 of the show. Um, yeah, we're pumped because that means the next one will be the century mark. And yeah. almost a little bit of a celebration because scheduling conflict, game six in Windsor, it's still listed as if necessary. There's a good chance it will be. So our Mm -hmm. 100th episode will for sure be in between game six or seven or five, I guess. The Windsor takes the next two uh, and game one of the Memorial Cup on the 20th of June. So that's not bad. 100th episode in between the OHL championship being handed out and the start of the Memorial Cup. Yeah, I'm going to take that all day. So yeah, a lot to talk about for that, for sure. Oh, yeah. a lot And we have a little something in the works i guess i don't really want to say it because it's not official and it's just an idea but it it would be cool to be able to get interviews on the bench for the post-game celebration for the team that wins mm-hmm. at free range something we're working on i think will be fine i'm not too worried as i just say that publicly but oh well i think i think we'll be fine i think yeah, we'll be good. Also, uh, but because this is the 99th episode, I want to get this out of the way. Um, I'm going to name my favorite Gretzky moment of all time. And it would have to <laughs> Three, be two, when he got away one. with a high stick against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And oh. then the LA Kings won that game. Okay. I like that one. I, you know what? I like that one because that's the biggest conspiracy thing for know, Leaf fans right? in the history of hockey. Like, get over yourself. Yeah, my favorite Gretzky moment's that. Like last year, oh, they would have won the cup. Or this year, they would have won the cup, but they would have beat out Tampa. Because if Tampa wins, even though they're not Colorado, oh my, wagon. But my favorite Gretzky memory, it might be a negative one, the one in Detroit, the turnover to Stevie Y. Yeah, <laughs> that one was good too. All seriousness, though, the shot against Calgary. Yeah. That 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 goal, like, oh my, like, that's crazy. And it's funny to hear, like, Gretzky, you know, like, a fun story because you see all these like kids now playing hockey all year round right and like oh they're like my kids going to the nhl right they're going to the nhl um like legit i played with guys that like five goals a year next thing you know a year later they're trying out triple a in Bramford. like hello yeah. <laughs> you're in peewee like you can't even care like the kids can't even carry their hockey bag and they think they're going to the nhl like give me a break so um Gretzky really gives that message about playing multiple sports. So that's the cool thing about Wayne Gretzky too, not just because he's a really good hockey player. And he's like a really act. good at baseball. Yeah. Brantford There's still trophies, Brantford minor baseball building that have his name on it. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So yeah. And especially Gretzky being so close, right. From Brantford. So mm-hmm. that's all that's exciting, but yeah. Tribute to Wayne, I guess for this one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, kind of let you know what's on tap for today's show. Uh, to start out, first ten minutes or so, we'll go over the uh, we'll go over the news and notes for the week. Um, also, of course, we're gonna look at the first three games of the OHL finals. Windsor Spitfires currently lead two games to one as they head towards Game Four on Friday. Um, and we're gonna be joined by the voice of the Bulldogs, Reed Duffy, uh, chat all things Hamilton as. We get his perspective on the first three games of the series and kind It'll of be interesting to see what, what he he's says. noticed. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what he says, because I think this is the first time. Well, it is the first time. And I know Hamilton's really using this excuse about the injuries, but they've been hurt all year. They've been hurt all year. Yeah. So like, 
why are you making an excuse now? Like, legit, I think this is the first time, like, they've hit legit adversity. But there's, like, there's no panic in the room. I mean, Jay McKee's an excellent coach. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, this coaching matchup in this series is incredible. Two guys that are future NHL elite NHL coaches. I mean, oh, my, they know how to work. They know how to work the matches. Well, I was going to say, year. I was going to say, look at Mark Savard. He's already getting calls, allegedly. I think Mark Savard, I think so. Mark Savard gets the Detroit job. Wow. Why not, right? Just over the border? Yeah, bring us Sergey. Yeah, I just think, I don't think it's going to happen. Would, I think Savard would be a low-key wild card. It's such a Steve Eiserman move for what he did with John Cooper. John Cooper came out of junior, like, out of nowhere, too, right? I, like, Savard has to be on their list. But what a matchup. I mean, you see the old line juggling there with the old psych with the Nathan Steo starting on the first pair game three against Windsor in Windsor, right? That's just a head game, in my opinion. That's just a head game. Like, yeah. why else? Why else would he uh, be on there? But that is that must mean with this three days off, Nathan Steos is probably very close, probably playing game four Friday night, you would mm-hmm. think. So that's it. Good news for Bulldogs fans, I guess, because they desperately need Nathan Stales for their power play. Oh, I'm desperately. With you. So it's going to be interesting to talk to Reed because this might be the first time the Bulldogs are in not in panic mode, but they're in trouble. It's an elimination game on Friday. It's an elimination game yeah. for them tomorrow. You're down three one. That's tough. Got to win another game in Windsor, and Windsor's a tough building. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be fun to catch up with Reed ahead of game four for sure. And then, of course, we'll see him game five uh, Sunday in Hamilton. Again, shout out to the two o'clock starts. Big fan of those because then we can hit up B-dubs afterwards and get oh, free yeah. wings. So you know where we'll be. You know where we'll be on Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah. Fans. <laughs> Sunday afternoon at about 5.45, 6. Oh, yeah. TSM yeah. games are longer. Forgot about that. Y- you know what? What was it like in the building, the three commercials? I've never been a fan when Sportsnet did it, but what was it like? It wasn't that. It wasn't terrible, to be honest. It wasn't terrible. I actually thought the regular season game was worse. I will admit this, though. With Windsor having the last change, and this is a question for Reed. Remind me. Even ask him this question if I forget, because you know know it's not that my brain wanders. So if I forget this, I want to ask Reed, because – Windsor, when I think Windsor really utilized that last change of the commercial break so well because Hamilton they had to constantly just run out and, and you lose a shift for your fourth line. Like Sims, Shirk, and Biondi had a really good hockey game, but they barely played because of the commercial break. So that kind of sucks if you're on the fourth line. But you cut um you have a break, you gotta throw the McTavish line out there right off the break or the Morrison line. So Hamilton throws them out, but then next thing you know you see the Johnston line coming out again. And it was very hard on the defense, I think, of Hamilton. I really think it was hard on the defense of Hamilton. It really kept – and Windsor's defense right now is humming. They, they're feeling it right now. I mean, Renwick, I mean, look how Giddy's playing. So when you see that, you really get the matchup. And I think so it really favored Windsor, the commercial breaks. That's the one thing that really did sneak out to me because – you really don't notice it during the regular season, but in the playoffs, everything changes, right? And every little thing teams use as an edge. So that's the one thing that really caught my eye is just to see that. And I mean, Justin played a lot. I mean, they rode that top line, mm-hmm. which I mean, you know, Savard's going to do, but Justin looks, Justin looks really good. I'm really impressed with uh, Cooley as well. Will Cooley, Will Cooley gets in the pox. Get, he gets in the pox. So I'm impressed with the, 
I'm impressed with that top Windsor line for sure. They've outplayed Hamilton's top line so far. Yeah, we'll get into that uh, once we get into segment two here. A couple minutes to go in segment one. Um, biggest announcement or biggest point we want to make here in the first segment in terms of news around the league. Um, how fitting is it? Three days off, <laughs> they announced the Red Tilson Trophy winner. Uh, Wyatt yeah. Johnston, I think that was expected. The Dallas Stars pick. What a player. I Like you said, Wardy, Mark Savard, he was riding that line throughout game three with the commercial breaks. You know, getting that last change, I mean, You're gonna see it he Friday, deserved yeah. it all year. Again, would have been nice to have Windsor come to Hamilton once, Niagara once, Mississauga once, you know, throughout the year. Obviously, they came to Kitchener. That's not too, too far for us. But with us being more around those three Eastern Conference teams, would have been nice to see them throughout the year. But well, I was. We, we watched enough video that uh, Wyatt Johnston. Yeah, there was yeah. no question at all. I was lucky. I was lucky to see them in London, Windsor. They were in London a bunch, so I was lucky to see them in London. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I really didn't see them much. And um, it was always the, the storyline was always they're going to score a lot. What's the depth scoring? What's the goaltending going to be? And I mean, so far, so far, I mean, everything's yeah, been perfect. Great. I mean, I don't think there's been anything negative in their games, at all. Like at all. Like Hamilton looked awful. Hamilton only had four shots after the first period in game three. That's terrible. Like what that hasn't happened all season. That's gotta be the lowest shot total in a period. Yeah. Shots favored Windsor 11 to four in the first period. Yeah. That like, when's the last time you saw Hamilton under five for a first period, you Um, usually see four shots like in the first two minutes for Hamilton. I'm going to say the 2019, 2020 season after they won the OHL championship. Yeah. Like it's been, it's been that long. I'll or, look it up. I guess 17 or 18, 19. Sorry. They wanted an 18, probably the 18, 19 season. Like it's just like, they look, they look lost. They look lost. So it's going to be interesting to see that these off days really helped Hamilton. I think I think that it's really going to help them, but I'm, I honestly believe that Wyatt Johnson is going to come out guns of blazing Friday night. And that Windsor crowd is going to be electric. It was, it wasn't full on Monday night. But it was loud. It's going to be full on Friday night. It's a weekend game. It's a home night for the Windsor Spitfires during the regular season. It's a it's a nice day out. I think a lot of people from Hamilton will make the trip with the Blue Jays in town in Detroit across the river. Let's so go Tigers. Let's go Jays. <laughs> I think I think that'll be a big. I think that'll get a lot of people from the GTA. Um. So Friday night, go to the hockey. Game. Friday night, go to the hockey game, and Saturday Sunday, go to the ball game. So maybe it's a solid plan right there. It, I would like, do that. Legit. If Legit. I didn't have to be, not have yeah. to be, if I wasn't going to game five on Sunday. Legit, legit, you could, legit, like you can get tickets on the Windsor Spitfires up website. And I'm going full Mark Savard right now, who, by the way, I got I was going to say, he promotes the hell out of that. Should I ask him the question next game after the post, like in the post game? So how much are you getting on these uh, ticket sales? Because every day, <laughs> do you get the, do you get bonus off of that Mark? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should I, is that in the bonus? Like you asked your dollar? Like, what do we get here? I was going to say, um, if, if he gets bonus, you better give some of that to Wyatt Johnston for bringing the fans out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm afraid Wyatt Johnston's going to go off. Like he's going to go off. He's going to get the trophy. I'm sure Windsor's going to have a ceremony for him pregame. Would have to. oh yeah i think so and that place is going to go electric yeah. right off that the anthem's going to be crazy but by the way the north chant during the anthem like the winnipeg jets is pretty cool so 
good atmosphere in Windsor, but which is hilarious for Windsor being one of the most southern cities in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's kind of odd, but I think it's just a no. I mean, I get why I they're doing it. Obviously, Canada, song. but it's still funny. I think it's just a point to chant in the song. Yeah. I think like the north part of O Canada is like the easiest part to like belt out. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. The anthem. Similar to the press box talk about taking home back in high school. But, yeah. yeah. Um, just a quote here I want to read from this article. If you haven't read it yet, uh, on Wyatt Johnson winning uh, the Red Tilson Trophy, uh, OHL.com, they've got it for you. Just want to read you here what uh, general manager Bill Bowler uh, has to say about Wyatt. He goes on, it's obviously Wyatt is an elite talent, but he is a better teammate and person. Speaking for the organization, we are so proud of him. He deserves this award, and he will yep. continue to get better, and that is great for both the Windsor Spitfires and the Dallas Stars. Yeah, Bill Bowler has put himself put his yes. put himself like, in yep. a spot to be awesome and move to the next level. You look at the squad that he's put together. He's gotten all these elite stars. He made that trade for Parrot. Um, you know, he went out, got Onishka from London. You look at all the moves that, that a lot a of the other teams made, like obviously the McTavish deal, best one of the deadline, give up a lot, but you get a lot in one player. So obviously that stands but, out. But, but when you talk about smaller under the radar moves and whether or not you consider the parrot move under the radar, I think Onishka definitely flew under the radar for a lot of people, just being the backup in London, being behind Brochu, mm-hmm. and, you know, having, Xavier Medina come in and expect him to be the number one. So you're thinking, okay, you know, maybe they're giving him an opportunity just because London knows that he's not going to start over Brochu. Although, like we said, they would have loved to have him in the last <laughs> I, 15 games of the regular season. But yeah. you bring in a guy to be the number two, and he's your number one, minus mm-hmm. injuries and sicknesses throughout the playoffs. Yeah. But like that, that's a move that could make a GM move up to the next level. And you know, we time. talk about Mark Savard getting looks from NHL squads. As I say, Detroit. the Dallas stars kind of works out. Wyatt Johnson, Mark Savard's name has been thrown around the Dallas stars. Obviously the yeah. Detroit red wings, Boston's got an opening like, yeah, Boston like, what, six openings right now in the NHL and a yeah. lot of elite coaches out there. You think of trots and now Bruce Cassidy, but now, Mark Savard yeah. putting himself on that list for a couple of those teams, and I think it kind of works out. We've seen, I mean, good luck, Bruins fans, if you end up getting Jeff Blaschel. But Mark Savard, former Bruin, they have a head coaching job up for grabs. Hmm. Yeah, well, go win the Mem Cup. Well, it's funny, right? Because, like, why did Boston fire him? That's a Reed Duffy question, being a Boston fan. Yeah, right. But, like, that – that's interesting because like Boston with the opening, why did they fire him so late? What's their plan? Is Savard their top guy then because it's the OHL finals? That's why I think about Detroit because Detroit's waiting so long to hire a coach. They're one of the first teams to fire their coach and they still have a name. Yeah, the they, guy. It's like the NFL so, then right, right after the last day of the season. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Vic Fangio got fired from the Denver Broncos. Like, eight hours after the final they didn't even wait a day. and i and i celebrated i was pumped and then jeff lash and then Love jeff lashel got fired i shouldn't Love be that. announcing that i'm happy guys got fired but like do better the Denver broncos were frustrating Don't suck, they're fru- yeah like we've literally been crap since the super bowl so yeah but 
Um, Johnston, Johnston's going to be good. Um, I have a first-hand experience with Johnston now, I guess, because um, after the game on Monday night in Windsor, he thanked all the media as he was walking out. And there, there's only like three of us. But the fact like he like that, shook your he, hand. No, just said like thank you for the questions type thing. And then after the mm. questions, if you look at his eye, if, like if you look at him, he actually like looks you in the eye when you ask him a question. And like afterwards, he like acknowledges like thanks for like he appreciates that you t- asked him a question. Like you don't see players do that a lot. Yeah, you don't see players do that a lot. I mean, Mason McTavish really didn't want to be there because I mean, and I mean, I don't blame him. They just lost. And if you're going to ask him a first question about an ice condition, um, what do you expect them to say? So that was interesting to hear that as well for Mace McTavish, but two good kids there and Johnston, what a kid, what a character guy. And here's the point. And I think this is going to be, and this is always a massive point, but I think this is going to be more publicized now. Why not more like when you're drafting a kid in minor midget, why are we looking at skill? Like why? Look at their character. Yeah. Look at who they are. When you hear Savard talk, when you hear Mark Savard talk, every single press conference so far in this finals, he said the same thing. And it's always, I don't even have to give a speech to these guys. They did the accountability. They know that's character. That's Windsor drafting. That's so, not just having studs on the ice. Like that's, yeah, that's it's both it's in, in the, the room, on the ice, on the road. Like that's, that's all of that. Well, hey, I can tell you right now, show guest Pasquale Zito, a wing prospect, not a big deal, not a big deal, double whammy there, but he's got a shot. Wins or wins, he's the first guy we go to, Pasquale Zito. For sure, for sure. He's get used to it, get used to the winning, Pasquale. Yeah, exactly. uh, He's going to be, watch him be part of the future grind line (laughs) 2.0. He is a grinder, but so he had, I'm walking out of your press conference i'm walking out of the arena and go down by the dressing room right up the elevator at wafku center and uh okay one so um i'm walking by him he's got a shiner like the whole right side of his face is all red he's got a cut lip and i'm like that's a player that's a guy <laughs> that and you don't hear an excuse from pasquale zito at all you know you're not hearing anything from pasquale zito at all and the fact that you see him you know you're in pain but the fact that you're so close to achieving the ultimate goal for you and your buddies, because legit, you hear this all the time from NHL alumni, their best memories are in junior. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone talks to their junior teammates. And we saw it in Niagara this year when Marty Williamson came back with the Barry Colts when all the kids from Brock were there that he coached. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like an alumni, you know, like you stick together, you're together forever. So I think that was really cool to see like, how bad you want to win just not for yourself, but for your teammates. And, you know, it's your brothers. You're never going to play together again. You're never going to play together again. You always see it on Instagram and stuff with the players post, right? And you see yeah. like tributes to their numbers and stuff because you're never going to play together again. And the, and well, the that's a good point by you. Might as well win. Yeah. That's a good point by you already, because you, you as much as we talk that's about true, the OHL different. being one of the best, if not the best OHL development leagues uh, or NHL development leagues in the world, um, how men? What's the percentage of players that actually go on to the NHL? Very slim, like less Very than fifteen. Very slim. maybe less than that. Like it's well, that'd look be at a Hamilton cool Bulldogs stat. I'd have to look 20, that up. But that Hamilton Bulldogs team that won in twenty eighteen. Right? Like yeah, who's like 
that's interesting to think about. Who's in the NHL from that team? Robert Thomas. Oh, look at Sue. Look at Sue. Yeah. From here. I mean, the Otters are the exception. Yeah, a lot of nights, a lot of nights too, but a lot of yeah. nights in 04, 05, like, yeah, really. Even like, their 16 team, like, there's three guys right away that I know are in the NHL. Like, it's, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, but you think about it, Robert Thomas is in the NHL. You think about Caden Fulcher, he's still bouncing around the ECHL and AHL in the Detroit system. Uh, Matt really Strom, you know, he's still down in the minors. So, Oh, look at it. Isaac Nurse is a good player. Nick, he was in the OHL. He's off to playing out east. Like, yeah, you got Nick Nick Camano. Um, Will Bitten was there. Um, there's really not a lot of guys. That, like, Mackenzie Entwistle, I guess. Yeah, Entwistle. But, like, there's not a lot of guys that are in the NHL. Riley Stillman, NHL. Um, Let's see who else. Yeah. But, like, like, yeah, there's not a lot of guys. That's a team that went to the Mem Cup. Not a lot of guys. It's hard to make the NHL in the like. It's just, it's very emotional, probably. Eh? Like you're never gonna play together again. It's the last time that group. And another thing is the returning players after from winning, a, like from winning the OHL championship or having a good team. The next year, it's a long year for the returning players because they're in a rebuild. So that's tough. Yeah. Unless you're a certain amount of teams in the league, you get lucky who never rebuild. But majority of the teams, when they go for it, they rebuild the next year or two. So that's tough, right? Because then like. The next year following that, it's like the lowest of lows and the highest of highs. Yeah, especially when, you, when you're when you the nine, or eight, 18, 19 Bulldogs. You go into Niagara, face that team, and lose 10 nothing. Yeah, that was uh, pretty rough. And, of course, that happened to the Ice yeah. Dogs after the 18-19 season in 19-20, the shortened year. But that happened to them a few times. It's just the way she goes, right? So, exactly. uh, yeah, again, a shout-out to White Johnson for winning that award. Uh, no one was more deserving of it. A couple, another headline here. Get in on the officials. The Hobie yeah. Character Award for officials goes to Mike Hamilton. So big congratulations to him. Uh, what else we got? Daniel D'Amico, part of the CHL Team of the Week for May yeah. 30th to June 5th. And then Medina was last week's Goalie of the Week. Yep. And D'Amico, OHL Player of the Week. I guess. It's been a while, eh? Oh, Luke Calvin signing with the Marlies. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Shout Mar- out to him. Yeah, Marley's dollar. That's sweet. Yeah. No salary cap in the AHL, right? So the, you always see the Marley yeah. sign all these go A's, right? Because, hey, they got all the money. So yeah. they can give anybody the max entry level deal. So, exactly. but hey, congrats to Luke Cavlin. Mm-hmm. Congrats to Luke Cavlin. And uh, probably see him in the East Coast to start, you would think, because Marley's got a lot of goalies. They just signed Petrozelli. Like they got a lot of goalies. So we'll see. But yeah, kind of congrats to him. Um, yeah. What a year he had. Yeah. Now man. Jack Campbell's gone. Oh, wait. Who said that? No. <laughs> he's, he'll, he's, there's not a chance. I know. I'm with you. And then all of a sudden, all these Leaf fans are going to come after me now. Oh, you said he's not coming back. He's not. You look at your salary cap situation. Who are you getting rid of? Win a playoff round. <laughs> all right. And one more headline to get to. Shout out to the Beller, radio voice of the Windsor Spitfires, Steve Ooh. Bell, for posting a picture of Spitfires beer. The premium lager from Frank Brewing Company. Shout out to him. Colin Ward is going to pick up some of that Friday before game four. Yes, we are. Shout out to Steve Bell for putting that on Twitter because that beer looks good. Yes, it does. We definitely have to pick one up. Remember the Hamilton Bulldogs had a beer before? Remember the studio? Or is that the Tiger Cat beer? One. Wardy, did you just say you have to pick up one? No. 
<laughs> no, I'm picking up a few. <laughs> there you Come go. On, you boy. know me. There you go. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Got that break. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it is time for a break. Let's go, man. Reed. That was such a long segment, but oh, well, no big deal. When we come back on the other side, radio voice of the Hamilton Bulldogs, Reed Duffy, going to join us. And then following him, you will hear post-game audio from game number three in Windsor. And, of course, we'll chat a little bit about it as we round out the show. So up next, it's Reed Duffy here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Devaney along with Colin Ward. Make sure you follow us Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the OHL and 60 podcast. We've got you covered throughout the OHL finals between the Spitz and Bulldogs. Make sure you follow us there. Uh, of course, in our bio, the link tree is up. Our website uh, is going. Brandon Caputo, he's got the articles going uh, throughout the playoffs for the Bulldogs. So make sure you go check those out. Of course, Joel Vanderland's features are still there as well. Um, of course you can listen to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, as well as the Bulldogs audio network. And that's where we're going right now. The voice of the Hamilton Bulldogs, Reed Duffy joining us here on our 99th edition of the show. Reed, uh, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Uh, really busy time for you, of course, uh, in between games though. So, uh, nice to have you on, but, uh, through the first three games, Spitz lead two games to one. Uh, your observations through the first three games. Well, guys, it's always great to be with you. Uh, it's great to, to be back again. And, and through the first three games of this OHL final, it, it's been a really interesting journey, I think. Uh, the Bulldogs, I thought, were the better team in games one and two. And they, they won game two despite a furious comeback at the end. Uh, Matthew Maggio was really a, a big part of that. He and Daniel D'Amico at the end of game two to try to get Windsor back level and maybe steal another one. I, I thought Hamilton uh, in game one um, just let off the gas a little bit in the third period and Windsor, you can never count those guys out. They've got so much talent up front. Their defense moves the puck up quick. Uh, they do a lot of the right things and man, they are fun to watch. So that those two games in Hamilton uh, in saying the Bulldogs were better. I don't think it was better by much. And I don't think 1-1 was ridiculous coming out. Game three, um, you know, I, I think you can say injuries caught up a little bit with Hamilton uh, going with Lucas Moore in on defense. Lucas Moore is going to be an excellent player in the Ontario Hockey League. But without Colton Cameron, without Nathan Steos, Arbor Jack, I had to play in just about every situation. I think that was a, a tough run. And I think um, the Bulldogs will benefit from having a couple of days off here to get everything sort of recentered, refocused. I still believe, guys, this series is uh, a long way from over. These are two really well-matched teams, and now we see, we've see we seen what Windsor did to counter after Game 2. Now let's see what the Bulldogs come back with for Game 4. Yeah, and you kind of see that uh, teeter-totter effect in this series, Reed, because it's been interesting, right? Because you see momentum flip sides so much throughout games and periods and shifts so far in this series. I mean, you see the Johnston first goal, on Monday night, I mean, Humphrey getting robbed on the goal line by Anushka. I mean, that might be the save of the playoffs so far. 
And um, they had a review on that play, but it came, it, that's been the series so far. I mean, there's been highs and lows. So it was interesting to see that review as well. Um, the play of Marco Costantini, though, Reed, I mean, he's been incredible and so under the radar throughout the regular season, right? There wasn't much talk about Marco Constantini. And now in the playoffs, everyone's starting to see on the national spotlight how good he really is. I mean, yeah, it wasn't his best game that he would say his best game on Monday night, but he's been incredible, um, Costantini. He's been amazing, guys, all the way through this playoff run. And for the majority of it, for the first 12 games, he had more assists than he had goals against per game. He was sitting at 1.75 coming into this OHL final and had a pair of assists. Mm -hmm. So those are ridiculous numbers. And I think Kazi would be the first one to tell you he probably hasn't had the start to the OHL finals that, yeah. He would have wanted, and I think part of that, and, and again, it's got to be full marks to the Windsor Spitfires who have played tremendous hockey coming out of the gates in this series. And I do think there's another level for Marco to get to. We saw it during the regular season. We've seen it through these playoffs, and I think we're going to see him get back to that level. Every time Marco's been challenged this season, he seems to fight back stronger. And now a couple of days off to sort of, reset and refocus i mentioned you guys off the air coming into the series i thought that wins are on five games in seven days three and four to open this series i thought maybe it would be windsor who was looking for that break a little bit but it seems like they continued the momentum out of the flint series and it's sort of the opposite the bulldogs wanted to get to that break and have an opportunity to reset and and come back a little bit stronger against the spitfires for game four. So I do think that with the, with a few days to, to sort of get everything back the way you want it, uh, Marco's going to be better. I think the whole team is going to be better yeah. uh, moving forward. And, and that's going to be a key the rest of the way. And especially with the practice days, right? Because then you get time work on your special teams. I mean, you're seeing Windsor really stand up the blue line on that breakout for Hamilton on the power play. And really you didn't, yeah, you saw the drop off throughout the season on the Bulldogs power play. But with a guy like Nathan Steos in the lineup, you really didn't because those pivots and he opens the ice up. Well, how important you think that is getting Steos back eventually, him opening up the ice and getting that entry on the power play because that's really been the problem for the Bulldogs power play because when they get set up, they're creating chances. They're just not getting the bounces. And I mean, that's puck lock, right? So how important is that when they get the blue line, once they get the blue line, get a free, once they get the entries better, how important is that for their power play? Monumental. And I, I think it even goes beyond just that. Um, yeah. Colin, when, when you when you look at what Nathan Steos is going to do when he makes Ooh, his way back in, oh yeah, back into this lineup and and this the five on five alone, the the breakouts, the the way he breaks the puck out of his own zone, the way that he moves quickly from defense to offense. Andrew Campbell once told me Nathan Steos doesn't defend; he just transitions, and that's all it is. Is that that speed and that skating ability and the ability to handle the puck. And then you look at what the trickle-down effect is. Nathan Steyo steps back in. Arbor Jacki doesn't have to quarterback the number one power play anymore. Yeah. So that takes a lot of minutes off his plate. He can focus more five-on-five in penalty kill. Gavin White has to play less minutes. Noah Van Vliet and Jorian Donovan have to play less minutes. It cascades its way through the lineup so that everybody slots in a little bit more comfortably. And I, I think that could be the biggest effect of all that yeah. Bulldogs defense was built around having, and a, lo- a large parts of the season, two or three overagers on that blue line. And I think getting back to the two with Jack Eye and, and Steos, 
that makes yeah. a huge difference. And when you look at the guys that have done the damage, Will Cooley, Wyatt Johnston, now you got to go up against Jack Eye and Stale. So that's a little bit more formidable for them to have to come up against. I thought Cameron did a brilliant job on them early in the series. And uh, now yeah, we're yeah. going to see what Steos and, and Jack I can do together. And, you know, you hope that at some point uh, Colton Cameron is going to be able to put skates on again. But, I mean, it didn't, you know, it was seeing uh, the, the shots that we saw of him during yeah. game three didn't didn't look promising for that. Yeah, it did not look good at all. Yeah, talk about Nathan Steos. I mean, as much as he adds on the blue line, um, you know, in, in his own end and, one thing that I've noticed throughout the year is, you know, it's as important in the playoffs as it is to, you know, keep your body in front of the puck, especially for guys like Steos, Jack, I, uh, Grushnikov, you know, blocking all those shots. And we saw, you know, a phenomenal job of that in game one, those three straight penalties by the Bulldogs, you know, an extended five on three. And just, you saw sticks in lanes, you saw the puck hitting legs. Like that's, that's what you do. And I look on the flip side of it for Steos about, you know, his ability to not do that, you know, shoot the puck and get it on net despite having their, you know, like four guys in front of the net. Like just, I've always seen that throughout the year from him. It's just his ability to get the puck on the net and create trouble for that opposing goaltender and the opposing D, you know, allowing his forwards to get that second and third opportunity. So, I mean, as much as we talk about what he's going to add defensively, taking care of Cooley and Johnston and, you know, throw Zito in there for the Spitfires, about him on the power play, moving along the blue line, getting those pucks through. I mean, that that just adds another element to this very highly ranked power play for Hamilton. Well, yeah, it changes everything, the way that they set up on that power play. Arbor Jacki, the cannon out high, mm-hmm. is the big calling card for him. So you, you move that around a little bit. I'm not saying Arbor Jacki can't move because for a guy 6'4", 225, he moves exceptionally well. Yep. And if I said anything bad, I'm afraid he might hurt me. So <laughs> when you put Nathan Steos back in there, his calling card on that power play, as you mentioned, Maurice and Colin, both of you guys touched on it, his movement along the blue line and how he opens up lanes, just the movement, the way he, he's able to have that puck in a shooting position on his hip, but move while doing it. It changes how you have to defend him, and it opens the lanes to the outside to both Morrison and McTavish. Now you've got three shot options any of which are dangerous. And if you overcommit there, Ryan Winterton or Jan Nishak's in the bumper and some guy named Hayes, who's got 40 goals and almost 30 points in the playoffs, is standing low in the zone right at the front of the net ready to post. So it just creates so much more danger. And as I've said for a long time, when you look at Nathan Steos on the power play, when you look at Nathan Steos at all in terms of the game, Watch Tory Krug. Watch five minutes of Tory Krug yeah. and watch five minutes of Nathan Steos. They're almost the same player. Mm-hmm. legit Mich- watches michigan state clips like at that age it, yeah it's actually actually it's identical because i remember when he in the big 10 because we had the big 10 network here in the like in our geographic location i always remember watching i remember seeing tory krug play and yeah you can see the similarities like when you watch the line sees the ice nathan Steo sees the ice right it's one thing to have that skill be able to skate but when you have the vision the ability to slow the game down i mean that's an elite talent the ability to slow the game down and see everything and when it comes slow to you it makes you so jealous right because like when you see the ice well and the game's moving so slow and the ability yeah the ability to do all this skilled stuff it's it's very impressive that's for sure unfair is what it is i mean nathan <laughs> Steos' skill set is just simply unfair 
And we, we've seen it all season long. So to be able to add him back in and, and let's not forget guys, he, he was looking great in the playoffs before he, he was sort of in and out yeah. of the lineup a little bit. He had eight points in nine games plus bringing, you know, 25 minutes a night, roughly on the back end. He can kill penalties. Obviously quarterbacks, the number one power play you're adding an all OHL talent back into this yeah. lineup. So I think that, you know, Again, I'm not taking anything away from the Windsor Spitfires and how they've done it so far in this series because they've looked awesome. But I think Nathan Steyo stepping back into the lineup for the Bulldogs is, I'll say, potentially a series-changing moment because he can take over a game and he facilitates other players' ability to take over the game. If you're not in your own zone defending as much, if he's turning pucks up the ice quicker, that means Hayes and McTavish and those kind of guys are on the front foot more often as opposed to being on the back foot that makes everybody more dangerous yeah that was the one that was the one problem i would say in game three right bulldogs defense really can get the pucks up the ice they really can get a breakout going and it didn't really feel that smooth so that's the one thing that's really going to help with nathan Stalos, right getting that transition game like you said also a bit of the development of logan morrison throughout the playoffs oh my i mean you see the confidence every time he gets the puck now the ability, like every shot he takes, you think he's going to score. I mean, every time he gets the puck, it's just a point that's waiting to happen. Um, in your opinion, what's your thoughts on Logan Morris's development in this playoffs? Because in my opinion, he's been he's been incredible. He he has been incredible. You're exactly right. He's got a supercomputer between his ears. I've said that since he was a rookie, and I you knew yeah. it was just a matter of time until he really took off. We saw it all season. Only the second Bulldog to ever score 100 points in an OHL regular season and into the playoffs, his distribution, his effort, guys. I mean, I know people have, have said before, well, he's not the greatest flat-out skater. Yeah, well, neither was David Krejci, and he had a pretty darn good NHL career too. Yeah. It's the work ethic on those kind of guys. And that's who Logan Morrison really reminds me of, the way he not just works the play but controls the play. When the puck's on his stick, it's, it's on a string. He can do anything he wants with that puck because he's so slick he's got the the head for it to be able to see things and read it before it happens and that's why i think he, he's been able to play with just about anybody the bulldogs have needed to play with in any situation and in his own zone he works his tail off watch him on the back check logan yeah. morrison is a demon when he's trying to get back into his own zone he's lifting sticks he's stealing pucks he's in passing lanes yeah, I'm, I'm almost a little bit surprised. One of those guys, I guess he can't do everything, but you got to believe that if he was ever asked to, he could kill penalties. He's that smart that he yeah. can just do it all on the ice. And I'm so glad he's finally getting the recognition that I think he's deserved for a very, very long time. Uh, selfishly, you know, you want him back as an OA next year uh, because I, I'd love to call another season and Honestly, I'd love to hang around Logan Morrison for another season because he's one of the nicest young men I've ever had the chance to uh, ride the bus with. But um, you really do at some point here want to see him turn pro because he earned it, he deserves it, and he's going to excel when he gets there. Yeah, big time. In... Oh, sorry, Reese. No, I, just, I was just going to ask, and ha- having him break out like that and you know, seeing the way he's worked hard, working his butt off in each aspect of the game, offensive zone, neutral zone, defensive zone. Um, how much of an impact does this have on the rest of the lineup of a guy who needed this season to happen, to be this successful, to 
put himself in a great spot for a contract. Just what does that show the rest of the team to see a guy perform this highly at this level? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna lump Avery Hayes in here too because two guys who, who arrived together with the Hamilton Bulldogs, two O twos that have worked their tails off, and Avery Hayes is you know one of the most threatening players shorthanded in the in the entire OHL, and again another player really high hockey IQ and just slick skills. When you see a guy who's a hundred point score and a guy who's a forty goal score, the effort they put in, not just in game but in practice and in the gym. When you see the way they back check during the game, when you see the way that, you know, if it's a power play situation, Logan Morrison is cowboying over the boards before the other team has the puck to blow the whistle. He wants on that ice. Avery Hayes, same thing. Any situation, you want Avery Hayes on the ice, he's already out there before you've even called 13. So these two guys motivate this team. And I think it sends a great message to the younger players on the roster, be it a Patrick Thomas, who I, I know looks up to Logan Morrison a lot, uh, be it even a Ryan Winterton, who's no three, just a year younger than those guys. And, or even take a Mason McTavish, the number three overall pick in the NHL draft. He sees Logan Morrison, hundred points for working yeah. the way he does. You better believe it's going to fire Mason McTavish up to mm. do the same exact thing. And we've seen that out of Mac and he's become a dynamic penalty killer as well. So he's in the press conference at post game, yeah. game three. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's so much about what Morrison and Hayes do to fire up this squad. That's why they've had the seasons that they've had. That's why they're in the positions that they're in. And, and that's why they should both be getting professional contracts. Yeah, for sure. And quick uh, Windsor question here, Michael Renwick. I mean, the Windsor defense has been incredible so far in this series. And credit to them. Um, They've had such good gap control. They've stuck the details to their game. And I mean, it sounds like everything we've heard in the post game that they're an accountable group. Michael Renwick's game. I mean, Reed, you've saw him develop in your opinion. I mean, he's been incredible for Windsor. Uh, I'm going to have to be biased on this one guys. Cause I love Michael Renwick. When, when my first <laughs> season doing the, the, the radio play by play for the Bulldogs, Michael Renwick sat across from me on the bus uh, I got to know Rennie really, really well. And I, I, I had to give him the big call on the game one winner in overtime, not just for the, the situation, not just for the story, but for the fact that I am a Michael Renwick guy. I, I've yeah. always liked Rennie. I always will like Rennie. He, um, and, and I'll just flat out say he can't, he's come out a number of times uh, it, 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 when I've made, you know, personal announcements on Twitter, when I, you know, I announced I was going to be a, a, a dad coming up and, Rennie was one of the first guys that contacted me to say congratulations to, to myself and Celine. And uh, I can't say enough about the person Michael Renwick is. The player Michael Renwick has gone to a completely different level. And again, yeah. it reminds me of Morrison and Hayes in that they were all in that same 02 age group. What a draft. And it, yeah, oh, an, an incredible <laughs> draft. Duarte, Diaco, Costantini, all part of that as well. I could go on for days about that group. Uh, but Michael Renwick was one of those guys that he, he was always kind of that puppy with big paws. And you knew he was going to grow into it as time went along. He's grown into it. And yeah. he is a really, really good defenseman. He can fly up and down the rink. He's a great skater. He's got the size and the tenacity to throw guys off the puck. He's strong as an ox. There, there's nothing Michael Renwick can't do. And you see what he's trusted next to Luca Hano, who's a bit of a riverboat gambler up and down the rink. Renwick's yeah. there to be that defensive conscience. 
and produces points while he's at it. Yeah. Uh, he's had a tremendous development run, and it just goes back to showing the Bulldog scouting staff. Look at the 02, 03, 04, 05, and soon to be 06 age groups. The number of yeah. guys they hit on that weren't just first round picks all over the draft. They've hit on a ton of players that are turning out to be really top end players. Well, we talked about this before the break, Reed, in the segment before we had you on. I mentioned this about the draft, and I feel like this is a thing that's going to change a lot This in the media. I mean, this has always been a big scouting point for scouts. But in my opinion, do you think this is a thing where media is really going to latch on to character? Because all these guys have drafted, and we saw it this year, the pick of Merrick Van Acker. I mean, character. It's all character. I mean, yes, they have the skill, but the character's there. And we mentioned this about Windsor, about Mark Savard always saying about the character, how he doesn't need to, how he doesn't even have to talk sometimes because the guys know. And we see that with Hamilton all year. And that's just a message to me where if you're a scout and it's all character now in the draft, you need to draft the guys with the best character because it's hard in minor midget to know what a guy's points are going to be at 18, 19 years old. I mean, they're minor midget. They're 15 years old. So is this a new is this a new trend that we're going to see about character in the media more often? Because you really don't hear it a lot in the media, especially in the National Hockey League draft, but you don't hear a lot about character unless it's negative. But the positive character for the Hamilton Bulldogs drafts, and you're seeing it in Windsor as well, it's just through the roof right now how good the kids are. It, it I think I think you nailed it. And I think character does need to be a much bigger part of the conversation in a positive way, especially at the major junior level, guys, because as you said, it's hard to project where a 15 going on 16 year old is going to be as an 18, 19, 20 year old. So what do you look at? Yeah. You look at the skill, obviously if it jumps off the page. Well, you've got a good idea right there, but the character, is this going to be the kind of kid that's going to be a sponge with the coaches? Is he willing to learn? Does he want to learn? Is he going to want to get in the gym? Does he have, and even if you look at a guy like Patrick Thomas, not physically imposing as a 15-year-old, put up tremendous numbers, but it comes down to his character. Does he have the will, the desire to get into the gym, to put the hard work in to get there? Yeah, he proved it. And you go back to the beginning of the season, he made the team after Ryan Winterton goes down hurt, and now he's playing on the wing with Ryan Winterton. So when you get these guys that have tremendous character levels, that you know will put the extra work in that have the heart and the will and the desire to be hockey players, it makes all the difference. You can overcome skill in some cases with character. And if you have both, Mason McTavish, you are (laughs) putting yourself in a great spot to move on to that next level. And I think the Bulldogs have been way ahead of the curve in doing that, and you're starting to see the results show themselves through the success at the OHL and the success that players are having going on to the next level. Yeah, massive. My my last question here for you, Reed, is so far in the series, the coaching battle in the matchup. I mean, we've been seeing this throughout the series so far through the first three games, but it's just been very interesting to see the matchups. And you hear it in the post-game press conference of both coaches. You can tell they've been in these spots or bigger spots throughout their playing careers because the way they're handling every situation has been class act. In my opinion, it's been a pro effort for both these guys. And I guess my question is the coach, just the battle, the matchup and what you saw so far in your opinion, am I off by saying how it's really been even the coaching? 
like there really hasn't been many mistakes. No, I, I don't think you're off at all. And I, I think at the same time, uh, the, the, the series for these two coaches may not really even start until game five. Um, the, these yeah. guys have these teams so in tune and we've seen it every time there's been something, a, a move made on the chessboard, there's been a counter. Windsor wins yeah. game one after making an in-game adjustment. The Bulldogs make a bunch of adjustments, come back, win game two. Windsor adjusts. Bulldogs didn't have a full complement on the chessboard, but yeah. Windsor comes back, wins game three. So now, a few days off, what's the counter from Jay McKee and company? Mm-hmm. That's well, where this series is going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun uh, well, down the stretch. And I love this coaching matchup. Jay and Mark are doing great jobs behind their respective benches. Two little bit different personalities. Yeah. Jay, very cerebral. He's very cool. I don't know if his pulse ever reaches past 40. He just, he is nice and easy. And he doesn't get uh, upset all that often. Mark Savard has some <laughs> fire to him. And this is the way these two guys played the game. Jay was yeah. real nice and easy and calm until he wasn't. And then, uh-oh. Mark Savard, hard on his sleeve, played every shift that way. And you're seeing that behind the two benches. And I think more than that, these two guys care so much about the young men on their teams. It's showing through, and you see that in the press conferences as well. And it's really nice to see how much care these two guys take in these young men. And that's why they're getting the results they are. The players know these guys care. Yeah, well, when I think you see it throughout the series, right, you see the coaches coming out in the players. And what Colin and I have seen through these – uh, through the press conferences post game, of course, obviously uh, going back to that North Bay series for Hamilton and going back to the Flint Bad series for point. Windsor. Like it's all you know, as much as the media, we want to ask the coach about, Hey, like, what did you see on this play? Like, how did you set that up? Like, is that something you work on or, you know, talk about something different. Like it's always, you always hear them talk about the player, their players, not so much what they did, but, what they've taught their players to do so they don't have to do that anymore once they get to this situation in an OHL final, right? You're seeing the play um, through the team come out. Like, you can see them playing uh, because Mark Savard is behind the bench. You're seeing them play like that. You're seeing Jay McKee come out in the Hamilton Bulldogs, right? It's You're at that level now where it's, okay, I've taught you what I have throughout the regular season. It's all about you now. This is your moment play the game, you know, have fun. And I think that's, that's what's been really impressive for me is the coaches haven't put themselves in the spotlight. It's all about the players for them. I don't think either coach wants to be in the spotlight. And I think that's part of why they are mm-hmm. so good at what they do. They, they don't need to make headlines. They're going to let their players make headlines for them. And Jay said it perfectly, I thought, in the game two press conference we can't play the game for the players. We can't hold their hands. They've got to execute what we've put into position. And these two teams are here because Mark Savard and Jay McKee gave them, and and their staffs, of course, gave them the ability to be able to get here, to execute the right game plan. And it's worked brilliantly on both sides to get them to this point. Now we just have to watch this chess match unfold to the end and see who the team is that's going to go to St. John. And I think that part is still long from decided. But watching these two coaches battle against each other, these two teams against each other, um, I think there's a lot of respect. I think there's a lot of skill. And for us, it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. Big time. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. It's, there, been, it's been fun so far, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. 
Oh, um, there's been a lot going on. Yeah. All right. Uh, Reed, we talked about it before we came on here. Uh, we let you think about it for a bit. 99th episode of the show. Uh, my favorite Gretzky moment was when he got away with a non-call against the Toronto Maple Leafs and <laughs> they ended up winning. That was my favorite one for Gretzky, despite, um, you know, him not really scoring, you know, not being huge, but a big play for him. Morty, he had the giveaway against Detroit. Favorite Gretzky moment, Reed. All right, I'll give you two. And I'm going to start with the one that wasn't so nice. The 1998 Nagano Olympics and watching the Canadians try to put shooters on the ice to go against Dominic Hasek. And for some reason, Wayne Gretzky is not in that shootout. Every Canadian that I know of was screaming at the television looking (laughs) for Wayne Gretzky. So that's one that that always, and the the, the shot of Gretzky on the bench with his head down, um, that's an unfortunate one that uh, has always been one of those amazing what ifs. Two in that game. One, what if Ray Bork doesn't hit the crossbar and tucks it underneath when Hashik went down? And two, what if Gretzky shot? So there's one. The other one, is a positive one for Wayne Gretzky and the Oilers. So May 22nd, 1988, oddly enough, my birthday, um, the Edmonton Oilers are in Boston in the Stanley Cup Finals. The lights go out in Boston Garden, and they're running around trying to figure out how to fix these lights. Now, the same thing would happen two years later, and they got the lights back on, oddly enough, also against the Oilers. And in the 88 series, they had figured out how to do it. Wayne Gretzky was so hot in that playoff run and in that series that when they figured it out and told Harry Sinden that they were on it, he turned to the guy running the electricity at Boston Garden and said, don't you dare turn those effing lights back on. It's Gretzky's Oilers. And what it did was they actually had to replay the game. Still didn't work out for the Bruins in that series. It was the only time a team's been swept in five. But it was at least an attempt by the Bees to, to change something in that series. And, and it was Gretzky leading those Oilers at that time. So uh, those, are, those are the ones that always get me for Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, that's awesome. Right on. The shootout ones, I think the shootout one's the most iconic shootout moment in hockey history that never happened. I mean, that had all the makings of being the biggest shot in the shootout, I guess ever right it's a massive stage that might be the all-time talking point i mean still to the day there's canadians talking about that moment so that and that's something that's never going to change that's for sure what if wayne gretzky shot yeah it's, it's, it's one all that, time yeah and it, you know it, it's funny too because if, if like i said earlier if ray bork puts it over dominic hashik and in if you go back in time gretzky's shot could have been for the win not just the tie yeah yeah out of it why yeah, couldn't the, we be alive for that? Damn. Yeah, the moments that never Damn. happened. Yeah. Is this like a Marvel Universe thing where we can go back and change the timeline? And... <laughs> yeah, we need that. We need that. Get the time. There's, there's variants of the three of us running all over the place somewhere. <laughs> yeah, to be there. To be there. To be there for the Bobby Orr goal against St. Louis for you would be impressive for sure. For me, it's uh, the Steve Eiserman goal. That that'd probably the Bobby Orgel would probably be the first one that uh, if I had the ability to, to hit the timeline, uh, oh. that's probably where I'd be going back to first. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd go All Star Game at Joe Louis Arena, Gordy oh. Howe, Wayne Gretzky. That'd be yeah. 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 That's a good one. Well, the Gordy, 
the Gordy Howe, the best Gordy Howe story I heard was when uh, Gretzky, when he told Gretzky about when they were playing the Russians, how just don't worry about going to the corner. I got him. And then all of a sudden Gretzky turns around <laughs> and he sees three Russians laying on the ice in the corner and Gordy Howe's got the puck behind him. You know, he didn't expect that. That's that like, the whole Gordy Howe story. Yeah. When, I remember when Gretzky mentioned that story a couple of times this year on TNT and it was interesting. It was, it's really been interesting to see Gretzky on TNT because like you never really saw that before. Right. Mm. And Wayne Gretzky to open up like that and some of the stories he has. So that was one that was really cool to me when he talked about Gordie Howe, obviously recently being Red Wing fans, it's a big deal hearing Gordie Howe stories and Steve Eisenman stories, but Gordie Howe, that was a cool one. When you heard about that one turns around, there's three Russians on the ground and he's got the puck. <laughs> Don't worry about going okay, to the corners, kid. An interesting one. You talk about Gordy Howe. And when he came back uh, from the WHA and he was playing for the what became the then Hartford Whalers after they'd been the New England Whalers. And they, they weren't able to do that because couldn't name a team New England with Boston already in the league. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Gordy Howe was on that team with his sons. And if you get the right game, and I, I think I might have one, I might be able to, to put up on YouTube and send you guys a link to. In yeah. the same game, you can see all three Howes, Bobby Hull, and Dave Keon, all <laughs> playing for the Hartford Whalers. <laughs> that's a, that's a, yeah, that, that'd be good. Yeah. I get, if you find that, send it to us yeah. for sure. You, you know how I started, you know, how I found that out. I, I, I'm a big fan of Stratomatic Hockey, the card game that you can play, the Dyson card game. Oh, yeah. And I got a set of 1979-80 Hartford Whalers. And I'm looking Why? through them, and I couldn't figure it out when I saw all three house, Dave Keon and Bobby Hall. Like, There's no way these guys all played <laughs> together. So thank yeah. goodness somebody came up with HockeyReference.com because yeah. I was able to go back through and find the times where they actually played together. And now, for me, it's been like the elusive trying to find video of, of Bobby Orr and Brad Park playing together for the Bruins in 1976. Yeah. This is what it's become trying to find video of all those guys together at one time on the Hartford Whalers. Cause to me, that's just, that's just so cool as a hockey nerd. Yeah, for sure. That's really cool. If you find the video, send it to me. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're ready and waiting for that one. Uh, <laughs> Reed, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a fun first three games like we talked about and uh, we can't wait for the rest of them. So enjoy the rest of the OHL finals and, uh, for us, we hope you're booking your ticket to St. John uh, come the end of this series. So thanks for doing this again, and uh, enjoy it the rest of the day. We'll see you we'll around the rink for sure. Thank you, guys. You know me, win, lose, or draw. I'm always going to have a blast when I'm in that booth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sure. All right, that's the voice of the Bulldogs, Reed Duthie, here on the OHL and 60 podcast. When we come back, you'll hear that post-game audio from Game 3, and we will look ahead to Games 4 and 5. So we'll do that next here on the OHL and 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Thanks again to Reed Duthie for joining us on the show. Awesome to talk to him as always. He knows his stuff. Again, he's got the call on the radio side from here on out. Uh, of course, TSN taking over uh, for television. So Reed Duthie, you can hear him. The Bulldogs Audio Network. Maybe turn the TV volume down and 
put Reed Duffy up while the play oh, yeah. is going on. Because hey, that, that he does a very Bobby good on the job. bus. The put Bobby on the bus quote. Yeah, that was shout out to that call. I, I know I told him that Friday night, but I wish or Monday. Yeah, Monday night. Why do I keep saying Friday night about I, I, I don't know, man. I that was game him, one. Yeah. Yeah. Quick turnaround. And by the I'm way, shout out to Reed Duffy for the towels. That was close. Yes. Yes. Oh, I forgot to say that. But I'm talk, I was talking to him on Monday and I was talking about the call. Right? And he goes, yeah, you got some good. You got some good ones up his sleeve, right? Like you're thinking about stuff, be. right? And you oh, do, yeah. Right? yeah. You're doing it. Especially when, what, they won 6 nothing <laughs> to end yeah. that series, right? You start to get to 4 nothing. You're in the third period. You're like, then hit. Okay, all right. <laughs> got to start Put- thinking of my call here. And, like, I, I guarantee it, being a Boston fan for him, like, the Bobby, say, uh, Bobby, say Bobby yeah. it just flows, right? It's natural, right? If you're a Boston fan, yeah. it's natural. I mean, here I hear it all the time from my Bobby dad. Bobby Orr trophy's heavy. I lifted that in 2016 after the Ice Dogs won in game. So this would have been before game three of the OHL yeah. finals. Jay Ross lifted it with lifted it with Ted Lehman, the voice of the rate, the voice of the Ice Dogs. That thing's heavy. Like it's, it's got a little bit of weight too, to eh? it. Yeah, that's like the mem cop. That's like the mem. Oh, cop. the mem cup's awkward as hell. Looks it's so, so awkward. weird. How do yeah. you like? I'm surprised it's not dropped slash broke, like we saw before. And get oh, it has been. Yeah, yeah. I'm once, surprised it's not broken more. Was it dented before the cup? Like, oh, yeah, it, it fell off. Just you know, some post uh, post game activities kick in, yeah. and uh, the brain goes loco. I guess. <laughs> new. That's yeah. a new word mm. for me. Funny how that works. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Hey, where's your Spitfire's beer? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. We're I'm pumped for that. Yeah. Remind that me. Fun. Remind me. I, oh, yeah. I don't think I got I'll you. forget. I don't you will. 1,000% you will. It, that's the problem. My brain wanders so much. Like, Must we're be talking, that Delhi like, education. <laughs> Friday night. Friday night, we're talking about, like, everything. Man, what were we talking about? Because we were going to talk about it on the show and I totally forgot. Taking home Mac in high school. We both did it. Oh, yeah. And I was talking about the... Because remember, I said I had like a a KD challenge, like craft dinner challenge. And like, I was on cleanup duty. I took home Mac and I still wasn't good enough to take the class. (laughs) (laughs) I need a t-shirt for that. Like, I was that big of a failure at home Mac. Well, and then... That's like the sugar babies do. I was going to say, that's the thing. Like, you couldn't even call my class home ec. It was literally, it was literally called foods. And you just, like, and obviously, you learn to, like, do the basic cooking stuff. When you get into the grade 10 one, it's just yeah. kind of that basics. And then as you move on to 11 and 12, it starts to get more complicated. But, like, grade 10, like, really, it was just, like, food, like, health safety or food yeah. safety, I guess you could say. Like, like that kind of thing. Like, we learned to do laundry once, but I could have learned that at home. Like, yeah, The cooking is important, like, though. For me, the cooking. Like, oh, man. Cooking, you know what's hilarious? So important. You know what's hilarious? Um, me and my girlfriend have worked out a deal that uh, oh, when we not. eventually find a place, she will do all the cleaning because I hate cleaning with a passion. So like, you're going to do the cooking. I almost hate cleaning as much as I hate the New York Yankees and Chicago White Sox. Yeah, Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, like it's it's deep. Where it's yeah. where I'll do all the cooking. I'm like, really? Even okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm only in it. I'm sure. a, I'm a uh, humble brag. Humble brag. I'm a good egg maker. That's a humble brag. That'd be. That's, that's the one thing. Hey I'm man, I eat about. eggs every weekend when I don't have to get up for Ed, work at six thirty. I eat eggs Saturday and Sunday morning. 
they're legit the best. Like, no, get some bacon and toast in there with some coffee. Yeah, that's the thing. If you have eggs, you have to have something with it. Don't at me. You have to. You gotta have that. Maybe the pizza side toast. You want to lather on some jam, maybe. And then that one time you're getting fancy, you make eggs Benedict. Yes. Boom. Shout out to my (laughs) uncle who makes really good eggs Benedict at the cottage. That's a nice cottage breakfast. Yeah, out out by the lake. Yeah. Yeah, do some. I mean, me being from the country. Feel like a spoiled rich kid, but oh well. Hey, live the life, man. Live the life, man. You get out there, you gotta take advantage. It's not gonna happen very often. Bobby Bobby Margarita. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hey, once once this Mem Cup's over, once this OHL Championship Series, we're going to buy weekly. It's gonna be uh, called Margarita. Oh yeah, well I'll be over. We'll have the boys over. The Hurricanes. Yeah, we we are still two-time defending showcase uh, or uh, podcast showdown champions. So not a big deal. We haven't thrown our party yet, and we got to do it. So I feel like this is the summer of parties. Do I have the pressure on that? Uh, I think you do. Because you're kind of in the middle. Yeah. Because, uh, like, Ben and I are in Brantford. Kitchy's in Simcoe. You're in Delhi. I guess the middle would be, Delta. like, Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> hey. We're Vanessa or Scotland, Ontario. Hey. Yeah. I don't know anyone that lives there. But, um, yeah, by the way, my, my home at class. Uh, I made the best chili. Yeah, I so, was so. Just I was like to so, throw that out there. It had enough spice where all the weak kids were like, "Oh no, that's too hot. That's too hot." Where people who really appreciated flavor were like, "Yes, that is the perfect amount of spice." So, I just like to put that out there as we begin segment number three with food and so we do not care. Yeah, you know, exactly. I hope I hope you're listening to this Friday afternoon. So tomorrow afternoon, before lunch or before dinner, I'm sorry if you're not to make you hungry. Before your pregame meal, hey, yeah. boom, perfect segue. What's gonna happen? In the, what's gonna happen in the rest of the series, Reese? <laughs> what are we thinking? What are we I thinking? Think, I think Friday. I honestly, I think Friday night Hamilton comes out hard. I, I can we play like, the postgame audio first? Yes. We promised yes. The listeners we'd do that. Yes. Yeah. So if you missed it because the audio wouldn't work live, which was really unfortunate, but I just watched it back the next day. Uh, here is postgame audio from game three between the Bulldogs and Spitz. Good evening, welcome to postgame coverage of game three of the OHL Championship Series. Welcome to all those who tuned in tonight's TSN broadcast, as well as those who watched uh, across the globe on CHL TV. Uh, 6-3 final in favor of the Winter Spit Flyers, joined now by Kevin Bulldogs head coach, Jay McKee, along with Ford Mason McTavish and coach. Uh, not the outcome you came for tonight, down to one of the series, but you can just take us through that game. Yeah, no, not the outcome. Uh, you know, I think we still yet to see the best version of uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs yet. Um, you know, we uh, thought they started out. We knew they were going to start strong at home. It always happened. The, uh, the games that we watched previously in the playoffs, uh, we put together a game plan for that. Um, thought our guys, were, even though we were outshot in the first period, I thought we did a lot of things uh, decent uh, for a road game um, here in front of a big crowd. It's an exciting hockey club, but uh, after that first, just uh, made some, I think, were uncharacteristic mistakes for our team. Some guys have been incredibly reliable. Um, you know, just a couple small mistakes that uh, they capitalize on, and when they have that ability, that's part of the reason why they're at this point here in the season. 
basically what the says tonight. Coach said it, uh, probably haven't seen the best handle the Bulldogs yet this series. What, what areas specifically do you know that you guys can be better in? Uh, yeah, no, I think we can uh, we can play a lot faster. Um, you know, I think we're a little bit on our heels at the, you know, at the end of the game there, but um, you know, like Jay said, there's just some unfair first mistakes, but um, you know, we know we got more, which is uh, which is exciting for our group. You know, we got we know we have more, so um, you know, obviously we're gonna go out and do it, and uh, we're gonna get a there's a rest here, and we will be ready to go. There's a microphone here up front. I mean, Jamison, two big guys in your back end. I mean, is that playing at all into this at all? Uh, well, it, yeah, they're, it's hard to replace uh, stay off awesome mm-hmm. camera, but, um, you know, we, we've dealt with uh, a lot of injuries all season. Camera was out for a length of time. Grushnikov, uh, Jack, I wasn't here for half the season. Uh, we, we've had a lot of players get a lot of ice on. I thought Lucas Moore being a young defenseman stepped in and, and uh, looked very poised early in the game. Um, Small mistake on the one goal where he got beat back to the net, but you know that's uh, probably an unfortunate part of, of not being in, in the lineup for a while. Um, but no, I, I think he came in and played really well for a young kid, really poised out there. Uh, and we've been doing it all year. We, we've had a number of injuries up front. Um, you know, I won't list them all because there's so many, but uh, we still found ways to win. So that's kind of uh, you know our mindset is, is uh, when guys go down, we just uh, we try to keep rolling here. Um, you know, and, and obviously though you can't replace uh, two guys like that um, with their abilities. Mason, I know it's, it's unusual for June hockey in the OHL. Ice conditions here, I know it was a little sloppy and Hamilton was sort of the same way here tonight. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. I think it's it's the same for both teams. I mean, there's no excuses, really. Uh, like I said, both teams are playing on it. It's just, uh, just another thing that kind of, you know, just do, do what we do, it doesn't matter about uh, you know, the ice. It's, as I said, it's the same both teams, so no, it's not a factor. Anything for to make guys call on the other? Yeah, Jay, you mentioned the mistakes and very uncharacteristic for the Hemsworth that I talked about. Um, practice stage, you get three days off now. How important is that for you, Mason, and Jay, for you guys to really establish momentum again in the series and capitalize on video? and System work. Yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be great. We've got some guys that are uh, a little banged up, uh, some guys that had cramps uh, for a couple games, and those are things that we haven't seen uh, throughout the playoffs. So I think having these days to uh, you know, recover, get some fluids and nutrition in the guys uh, will definitely help. Uh, and obviously, the mindset for us um, when you lose moments advantage, uh, the goal is obviously to go on the road and get at least a win, and then you regain always advantage and, and feel pretty good about yourself. So we'll put a lot of focus into this week, doing the right things and and being prepared to come back into in the year and take a win and, and then uh, you know have always advantage back. With that just a few minutes with those pit fires. Thanks guys. After more post game coverage of the game three of the OHL championship series, the Windsor Spitfires six three winners tonight taking a two one series lead accompanying the allies as head coach Mark Savard along with Vlad Johnson doing a pair of goals tonight. Coach, uh, a pretty good night for your club. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Um, it, it's amazing when you believe. It really is. And uh, I can just see in the room, the, the believing is, is unbelievable. Um, and the guys are just, they're, 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 like, I don't have to say anything sometimes. They, they take care of it. It's, it's, you know, you didn't get the puck out. The guys tell them the guy didn't get the puck out. I don't have to get to them. They get to them quicker than me. So just, just an all-around, you know, 20 guys, 
Uh, great effort tonight, and would have loved you to have this guy here too. It's, it's a he's a special player, and, and uh, my first year of coaching to get a chance to coach him. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Well, I have two goals for you tonight. Nobody made it before me yet, but uh, past Taylor Hall for the most points in a single spits playoff, and OHL's modern here since 1981. So, an accomplishment there. Uh, good to be in company with a guy like Taylor Hall. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just found that out now, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, with all the great players and spits that have had over the years. And yeah, I think we're just more focused on winning games right now. And, um, you know, as, as Sad mentioned, you know, we, we believe in, and we're so excited to try and get done. We'll start with you, call. Yeah, Mark, now three days off between games. What's the message now? You guys got momentum in the series. What's the message here to keep momentum in the series going into Friday night's game? Does it, you just back down with the out flying at home or on the road? Go home to bed. We'll see you Thursday. That's going to be the start. Uh, these guys need some rest. I mean, we've been, we've been going through the Raiders here very hard. Um, that's an excellent squad over there. Obviously, they got so many weapons. It's it's, it's really uh, it's a special team they have. You know, they're 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 an all star team basically in the OHL, and um, you know we we dig in and we work and and we play the right way. And I, I'm going to say it again. I know it's a little hat, but when you play the right way, you get rewarded. And it took me. I don't know. I don't think I still learned after 15 years in the league. But um, you play the right way, you get rewarded. And then these guys are definitely playing the right way. Yeah, Wyatt. Zito, Cooley, your line mates tonight. How important is it that them as your line mates? I mean, you guys are really humming right now. How good is that feeling coming to the rink in the playoffs? Uh, and you guys are humming. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. They're both um, two great players and, you know, they're a lot of fun to play with. Um, yeah, I think we all just feed off of each other. We have a really good combination of everything. And, you know, the most important thing is, um, you know, we're able to play well both ends of the ice. And, you know, I think that just helps us generate offense and, and, and generate goals. Mark, can you talk about the switch back from this Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of games in a row. X was, was fantastic, you know, player of the week, uh, goalie of the week. Um, he's been fantastic for us. But I've always been in the old adage that, you know, a goalie gets hurt. He, he, was, he was running, you know, he was our number one guy for a while. And, you know, we, X, we told him all along that we're going to need you. And, and boy, do we need him. And boy, did he step up and play amazing. But it was just a thing, you know, he played a lot in a row. He hasn't played a ton. I wanted to give Anuska another opportunity to, to go in the net, and he answered the bell. So we got two great goalies here, guys, and it's it's a it's a real luxury right now for, for our hockey team. And I know these guys feel confident with either guy behind us, but it, it, they're both special. Wyatt, I think in the first two games of the series, you guys got to play with a lead for about eight minutes, and tonight to finally get a chance to sort of have a lead and play with it. I mean, how much of a difference is that? Yeah, I mean, I think we've got a lot of experience this year playing in all kinds of situations, so I think it was definitely good, uh, especially at home, to get the crowd in and, and, and get a lead and be able to play with the lead. Yeah. You know, I think we're really confident playing with the lead, and yeah, I think the biggest thing was just coming out um, you know, early and, and, as I mentioned, getting the lead and just being able to hold them up. Coach, you, one of your key messages before the game was playing discipline hockey. Do you think you played discipline today? Yes, I, I, I think we did a great job. What did we end up four penalties tonight? Two for Madden, yeah. We ended up with four. Four penalties tonight. The goal was three. I actually said, you know what, let's try something different here. Let's be disciplined and let's set a goal of three penalties. So they, they almost listened personally, but it uh, doesn't always happen. That last one we could maybe not take him. But again, we, we battled tonight and uh, we did it the right way. So it's, it's a great job. Wow. Congratulations on passing Taylor Hall. 
for the playoff record for the Spitfires. Was there something different about the game tonight? You seem to have more open ice tonight in the game compared to the first two games. Yeah, I mean, I think at home we're kind of able to get you know our matchups a little bit better. Um, but you know, I don't think so. I was too worried about that. Um, yeah, I think just being at home and just you know we use a crowd. I think that's been able to you know help us time their soul out. And um, you know, I know they give us a ton of energy, and so yeah, I think that just kind of helped open up the game, especially with the. A four-goal first period, and that kind of helps open up the game a bit, and uh, I guess give give us a little bit more space. Why right, now that we're on the national spotlight, do you want to talk about the bond that this team has and the brotherhood? Yeah, I mean this is you know probably one of the closest groups I've ever been with. Um, you know we're all brothers. I know that's you know a cliche thing, but um, yeah, we just battle for each other. We care so much with for each other and. Um, I feel like the coaching staff has done a great job of just kind of bringing us together and um, yeah, I think you know, we're more just one group, just coaching staff, player staff and everything. I think we're all just one group rather than uh, you know, just players separate from the coaches and stuff like that. I think they've done a great job of coaching staff and just bringing us together as a team and um, just wanting to work for each other every night. And, you know, as you can see, that's been able to help us a ton of the playoff run. did the Series 2-1, of course, Game 4 back here on Friday night. There is your post-game audio from Game 3 of the OHL Finals between the Bulldogs and Spitfires. Spitfires lead it two games to one. Now we go, Wardy. First off, you go ahead. Thoughts on the rest of the series, as we will not be recording episode number 100 until the OHL Finals is over. So here's the thing. First off, I was way wrong of saying five games. What an idiot, Colin. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. Say I, that? that was pretty bad. What an you know, it was like, awesome. Honestly, After the presser in game one, Josh Sweetland was full on like, oh, yeah. going a little differently than you guys thought. I'm like, hey, Josh, yeah. I said six. Check. Twitter. I said five. I said- I'm a moron. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I regret my pick. That's for sure. Because Windsor. So here's the thing. And I, I, let, me, let me put this before you give your thoughts. I do want to include this. I think a lot of this has to go in the way we look at the rest of this series. And Josh Sweetland said it again perfectly. He's like, the Hamilton Bulldogs are being introduced to Western Conference hockey this year. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the one thing I was thinking about where I should have been wiser because me growing up around the Western Conference, I'm better. I should know better than that. Right. Because like being around, the I mean, I was with you. Yeah, I've, I've lived in Windsor. I've lived in Cambridge. So I yeah, watched the Rangers. Can, like, yeah. Like, you know, it, right. And you know that, but like, also, I think this is the best hockey Windsor has played all series. Like North Bay is a good team. North Bay is a big physical team. I forgot to ask Reed about the big slow D, but <laughs> that, <laughs> that, ask him in game four or five. Yeah. That's a question there where, like North Bay wasn't slow. Like North Bay's a big physical team. So I didn't think the transition between teams because seeing like Johnson's not a guy that's gonna out hit you, but Zito and Cooley will, that's for sure. Yeah. But like, you know, they have guys that aren't don't want to be in the physicality as well, Windsor. But yeah, I guess Western Conference play, but like I just think Windsor's really sticking to the detail right now in their game. There's a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. And Savard's honestly. Like in the press conference, and he's literally saying, like, he's an open book. Like, yeah. he's giving so much away. Like, it's crazy. Usually, you see the game within the game. And, like, Reese, we cover the league. We've heard a lot of press conferences this year. We've heard a lot of coaches talk this year. Well, so I mean, far, I mean, that kind of takes open. you to 
kind of takes you to Dale Hunter. Uh, this is yeah. what we're going to do. Try and stop it. If you can't, yeah. oh, it sucks to be you. Legit, legit. Like he's literally giving them yeah. a lot, but it's just like, like we're seeing them stand up. The, we're st- we're seeing them stand up at the blue line. We're seeing them do all that. Windsor, Hamilton sees that. Obviously, with Stales coming back, that's massive. I was going to say but, that was their key to victory in Game One. The Spitfires Bulldogs oh, entries on the power play were terrible. Was terrible. Obviously, yeah. minus the one power play goal, but they were terrible throughout the entire night. Yeah, it was awful. It was like. It was brutal. And Jay knew that. Jay knew that. He shared Literally that. He's dumping like, and chasing. Yeah. Like, you and can you clearly tell him. that, yeah, that's not our power play. We got to be 10 times better. With Steos, that's going to change. With Steos, oh, yeah. that will change. If your wins are going into game four, you don't want to change a thing. The Woff could. The Woff could. For them, I think it'll be a boost locker. if they could get Oliver Peer back. I really liked him late yes. in the Flint series, and I think he's had a good start. Um, mm. You know, I think, talk about game one i thought i i liked him in that game and well, i think that's that that's the role that kind of sims is at right now for the bulldogs on the fourth yeah. line is you know pier is very important for the windsor spitfires and he, they were yeah. without him in game three yeah no exactly and like it's interesting to see because like windsor is playing the best hockey in the finals and you would, and like what Reed said, you would think Windsor would need the break. You would think Hamilton would be up right now, but it's the opposite. Hamilton need the break to regroup because mm-hmm. they're hitting adversity, and you need time, and you need to really take a step back and take to take two steps forward. But it's just like, yeah, Windsor, Windsor's that team where they're clicking, they're playing the best hockey now. And here's the thing: did Hamilton peak too early? You see that Tampa Bay Lightning quote, right when they got swept to Columbus. Obviously, that was the first round, different now that they're in the final. But did Hamilton peak too? early in the finals and now they're just tired the injuries are catching up with them and Windsor's finally hitting their stride because Windsor with 13 Windsor won 13 in a row to end the season mm. and they kind of struggled they had adversity against Sarnia they had adversity against Kitchener if they definitely had adversity against I was gonna Flint. say they went what six against Sarnia five against Kitchener and seven against Flint yeah. uh, this is more than likely going to go at least six I say seven. This is going seven games. Ooh, this, we're gearing up for a game seven on a Wednesday. I honestly I am down going, for that. Yeah, this is going seven games. I mean, Kitchener – and, I mean, lately my my opinions have been wrong, my takes. I'm in a little bit of a slump. But, they, like, when you watch – like, when you actually do the work and you watch them play, it's too close. It's honestly too close to go less than seven um hamilton yeah they didn't play good in game three do you really think hamilton's gonna have a bad game four on three days off they haven't played two bad games in a row they may lose friday night but it doesn't mean they're gonna play bad there's a difference right they didn't play good they didn't play good on monday they were terrible i mean anyone that follows the bulldogs or works the team knows that they weren't good and okay on to the next game right so we've saw it all year and Here's the thing, right? Now let's challenge our guys. I want I want to see the challenge to Mason McTavish. And we talked yeah. about this off air with Reed Duffy. I want to see that challenge. I want to see him. I want to see Mason McTavish. And here we go. This is something to get uh Mason McTavish fired get Mason up. Mason fired up. This is an effect. Get ready, Matty Rowe. Mason McTavish. I want to see that I want to see McKinnon go up against McDavid type series right now. I want to see like 
Like Giannis versus Johnston. James. Exactly. Yeah. Johnston's got your crown right now. He's going to take it. I mean, he is going to say he's coming off. Yeah. Yeah. If you're the best player in this league, let's go. Let's go. Right. Like take this over. He's literally taking your swagger. He's taking your limelight. He's taking your crown. Um, Wyatt Johnston right now is the best player in the Ontario Hockey League. He he's taking that for Mason McTavish. Mason McTavish played in the National Hockey League this year. He played in the Olympics this year. He played in the World Juniors this year. Wyatt Johnston is taking your crown. That's a challenge to you, Mason McTavish. That is a massive challenge because it's hard on your ego. And I can just see this right now, that stare. And I know you're getting tears in your eyes, Reese, because I I'm going to be in major trouble from Mason McTavish now. But Let's go. That's a challenge, right? It's a good challenge. It's a good challenge. So let's that's, see it. That's, that's how we're ch- going to end the show here. That's a challenge. All right. Let's see it. Friday night. And we Friday are night. not going to make predictions. Oh, that is not something we're going to do because I, it, it's been too exciting so far to do that. So I remember, I remember in a, fo- I remember a football movie once, or not a football movie once. It was like the I mic hate up football in, movies. You know, the mic up in the NFL, like when the guys are mic'd up. Yeah. I remember this off. I remember this lineman just going absolutely berserk about like is one, the offensive tackle beside him kept getting beat off the ball and you yeah, constantly heard. He's trying to take your manhood. He's trying to take your manhood. <laughs> Just yelling at him. You're not good enough. <laughs> That's like us right there giving the message to Mason McTavish trying to get a spark. Because could you imagine having Wyatt Johnson humming like he is yeah. and having Mason McTavish going? Oh my, this would be say, incredible rem- TV. Rem- reminds me of the blind side when uh yeah, when Michael was getting beat by that lineman on the other family. team early in the movie, right? Yeah, it's time for him to go home. Time for him to go home. There yeah. we go. Send, He's taking him send to the home. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. That's it for us. The 99th episode is in the books. Bueno. And we are ready for the 100th. Uh, it should be a fun one. We've got a plan started, at least for the 100th episode. Kind of, again, ideas swirling around. But it's going to be a good one. We will conclude the OHL final. Again, whether it goes five, six, or seven, we will record our hundredth episode the day after the championship is handed out, and it will be live at least two days before the Memorial Cup gets underway. So whether or not it's two nights before, it'll probably be two nights before. But yeah, that's the plan anyway. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks again. For Reed Duffy joining us here on the show. A fun chat as always. Fans out there, enjoy the rest of the OHL finals. It should be fun. Wardy, don't forget the beer in Windsor. Thank you. And try Armando's pizza. Really yeah, good. yeah. Yeah, I gotta do that. Should I go out like and do like the real pizza review? Ooh. Should I do one? Ooh, come back to the hotel. To. Yeah. Come back to the hotel, do a pizza review of Armando's. Might have to. Okay. Because I've never had it, but I'm very curious. Oh, it's, about it's this solid. You, like, Armando's or Capri Pizza? One or the other. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully they're open after like 11 because time we get out of the arena. Like I mean, yeah, they should be. I think Probably Capri not. has a better chance to be because Armando's, some of the Armando's, it's like restaurant style. But if you get the right one, I think it'll be open a little bit later. But yeah, Friday yeah. night. We'll see. You think at least delivery, right? Like at least yeah, well, I mean, all the nightlife's in Detroit, so 
Yeah, very true. And yeah. let's see by the casino. I don't really want to go downtown. Yeah. Because that's a hike from the loft to downtown. It's kind of an awkward drive. I mean, that yeah. drive through the city. You know, yeah. man, it makes you miss the old barn, right? Yeah. Hey, I might go buy solid, that. solid rink. It's still standing. Rink. Yeah, I might go buy there. Yeah. All I right. Might go buy there. That's it for the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we will chat again after the OHL finals. Yeah.